0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. First and last by Hilaire Belloc. Chapter 26. On Entries. I'm always planning in my mind new kinds of guidebooks, or rather new features in guidebooks. One such new feature, which I am sure would be very useful, would be an indication to the traveller of how he should approach a place. I would first presuppose him quite free and able to come by rail or by water or by road or on foot across the fields, and then I would describe how the many places I have seen stand quite differently in the mind according to the way in which one approaches them the value of travel to the eye at least lies in its presentation of clear and permanent impressions and these i think though some would quarrel with me for saying it are usually instantaneous it is the first sharp vision of an unknown town the first immediate vision of a range of hills that remains for ever and is fruitful of joy within the mind or at least that is one and perhaps the chief of the fruits of travel i remember once for instance waking from a dead sleep in a train for i was very tired and finding it to be evening what woke me was the sudden stopping of the train it was in italy a man in the carriage said to me that there was some sort of accident and that we should be waiting a while the people got out and walked about by the side of the track i also got out of the carriage and took the air and When I so stepped out into the cool of that summer evening, I was amazed at the loneliness and tragedy of the place. There were no houses about me that I could see, save one little place built for the railway men. There was no cultivation either. Close before me began a sort of swamp with reeds which hardly moved to the hill, and this gradually merged into a sheet of water above and beyond, which were hills barren and not very high which took the last of the daylight for they looked both southward and to the west the more i watched the extraordinary and absolute scene the less i heard of the low voices about me and indeed a sort of positive silence seemed to clothe the darkening landscape it was full of something quite gone down and one had the impression that it would never be disturbed as the light lessened the hills darkened The sky took on one broad and tender colour the sheet of water gleamed quite white and the reeds stood up like solid shadows against it i wish i could express in words the impression of recollection and of savage morning which all that landscape imposed but from that impression i was recalled and startled by the guard who came along telling us that things were righted and the train would start again soon we were in our places and the rapid movement isolated for me the memory of a singularly vivid scene i thought the place must have a name and i asked the neighbor in the carriage what it was called he told me it was called lake trezamine now i do not say that this tragic site is to be visited thus it was but an accident though an accident for which i am most grateful to my fate but what i have said here illustrates my meaning that the manner of one's approach to any place in travel makes all the difference thus one may note how very different is europe seen from the water than seen from any other opportunity for travel so many of the great cathedrals were built to dominate men who should watch them from the wharves of the medieval towns but i think it is almost a rule if you have leisure and can take your choice to choose this kind of entry to them Amiens is quite a different thing, seen from the river below it to the north and east from what is seen by a gradual approach along the street of a modern town. The roofs climb up at it, and it stands enthroned. So Chartres, seen from the little Ure, But the yore is so small a river that he would be a bold man who would travel up it all the way. Nevertheless, it is a good piece of travel, and anyone who will undertake it will see Louviers and Passinette where the greatest work of the Renaissance once stood. And it will go through lonely but rich pastures until at last he gets to Chartres by the right gate. Thence he will see something astonishing for so flat a region as the Boos. The great church seems mountainous upon a mountain. Its apse completes the unclimbable steepness of the hill, and its buttresses follow the lines of the fall of it. But if you do not come in by the river, at least come in by the orleans road i suppose that nine people out of ten even the day when the roads are in proper use again come into chartres by that northern railway entry which is for all the world like coming into a great house by a big neglected backyard. then if ever you have business that takes you to bayonne come in by river and from the sea and how well you will understand the little town and its lovely northern gothic some of the great churches all the world knows must be seen from the water and most of the world so sees them Ely is one cologne is another but how many people have looked right up at durham as at a cliff from that gorge below or how many have seen the height of Albi from the tarn as for famous cities with their walls there is no doubt that a man should approach them by the chief high road, which once linked them with their capital or with their nearest port or with Rome, and that altogether this kind of entry is nowadays often marred by ugly suburbs. You will get much of your finest sight of Segovia as you come in by the road from the Guadarama and from Madrid. It is from that point that you are meant to see the town, and you will get much your best grip on Carouson, old Carason if you come in by the road from Toulouse, at morning, as you were meant to come. And so Cousset should be approached by that royal road from Soussons, and from the south, while, as for Léon, the most famous of the hill-towns, come to it from the east, for it looks eastward, and its lords were eastern lords. Ranges of hills, I think, are never best first seen from railways. Indeed, I can remember no great sight of hills so seen, not even the Alps. A railway must of necessity follow the floor of the valley, and tunnel and creep round the shoulders of the bulwarks. There is perhaps one exception to this rule, which is the sight of the Pyrenees from the train, as one comes into Tarbes. It is a wise thing, if you are visiting those hills, to come into Tarbes by night and sleep there, and then next morning the train upon its way to Pau unfolds you all the wall of the mountains but this is an accident it is because the railway runs upon a sort of high platform that you see the mountains so with all other hills that i remember it is best to have them burst suddenly upon you from the top of some pass lifted high above the level and coming let us say to a half their own certainly the bernice Oberland is more wonderful caught in the moment from jura than introduced in any other way and the snows on Atlas over the desert seem like part of the sky when they come upon one after climbing the red rocks of the high plateau, and you see them shining over the salt marshes. The Vosges you cannot thus see from a half-height. There is no platform, and that is perhaps why the Vosges have not impressed travellers as they should. But you can so watch the grand chain of old volcanoes which are the rampart of Arnurne, you can stand upon the high wooden ridge of Fouriez and see them take the morning across the mists and the flat of Limagne, where the Gauls fought Caesar. Further south from the high table of the Villay, you can see the steep backward escarpment of Cervens, inky, blue, desperately blue, blue like nothing else on earth except the mountains in those painters of North Italy, of the parts north and east of Venice. The name of whose schools escaped me or rather i never knew it now as for towns that live in a hollow it is great fun to come upon them from above they are not used to being thus taken at a disadvantage and they are both surprised and surprising there are many towns in holes and trenches of europe which you can thus play peepoo with will you come at them by walking by train they will mean nothing to you "'you will probably come upon them "'out of a long shrieking tunnel, "'and by the high road they mean little more, "'for the high road will follow the vale. "'But if you come upon them "'from over their guardian cliffs and scars, "'you catch them unawares, "'and this is a good way of approaching them, "'for you master them as it were, "'and spy them out before you enter in. "'You can act thus with Grenoble, "'and with many a town on the Meuse, "'and particularly with Aubasson.' which lies in the depths of so dreadful a trench that I could wonder how man ever dreamt of living and building there. The most difficult of all places on which to advise, I think, would be the very great cities, the capitals. They seem to have to-day no noble entries and no proper approach. Perhaps we shall only deal with them justly when we can circle down to them through the air and see their vast activity splashed over the plain." Anyhow, there is no proper way of entering them now that I know of. Berlin is not worth entering at all. Rome, a man told me once, could be entered by some particular road over the Janiculum. I think, which also, if I remember right, was the way that Shelley came. But I despair of Paris, and certainly of London. I cannot even recall an entry for Brussels, though. Brussels is a monumental city with great rewards for those... "'who love the combination of building and hills. "'Perhaps, after all, the happiest entries of all, "'and the most easy, are those of our many market-towns, "'small and not swollen in Britain and in North Gaul "'and in the Netherlands and in the valley of the Rhine. "'These hardly ever fail us, "'and we come upon them in our travels, "'as they desire that we should come, "'and we know them properly.' As things should properly be known, that is, from the beginning. The end of chapter 26